you need your Bibles open to the 102nd Psalm, I'm going to read a passage, the first 11 verses. Now, you recall that when we um, started this sermon series, we pledged to one another that we were going to be honest, that we were not going to be satisfied with simplistic answers and trite uh, phrases. We were going to try to be as honest as Scripture is, and this morning is a perfect example of a very, very honest psalm where the psalmist talks about his illness, talk about the changes in his life, and he talks about the why God that we're dealing with in this uh, Lenten series on the absence of God. So in just a moment, I'm going to read from the 102nd Psalm, Psalm 102, 1 through 11. Before I do that, I'd like to invite us to a time of prayer. Would you bow with me, please? Lord, we come into your presence, and you already know our hearts, you know our lives. We're battered, we're bruised, we're tired, we're impatient, we're hopeful, we're trusting, we also come with doubts. We pray that today we would experience energy. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, we will experience courage to face this day and this week's challenges. We come, Lord, to intentionally soak our lives in your promises, to intentionally soak our lives in your truth, so that we will be prepared against every falsehood and against every temptation and every trial that comes our way. We are so very thankful for one another for you and your Trinitarian fullness and beauty, the God who is over us and above us, the Christ who is for us on the cross and in resurrection, and the Holy Spirit dwelling deeply within to comfort and to guide and correct. We pray today for a world that is on fire with conflict. We pray for peace. We pray for help with refugees those who are homeless, those who are victims of war, for our military personnel, for our mission partners, especially in places of tension and conflict. We ask God that you bless our community, that you might lead us to find ways to live the gospel in this place and live out justice, that we can take the good news of Jesus Christ that people here and around the world might come to know your saving love, transforming power. Guide our hearts and our minds now with understanding. Lead us into truth. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts collectively be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Psalm 102, as we think about illness, grief, And loss, from the very first verse, if you're able, would you stand as God's word is read and comes among us? Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. For my days pass away like smoke. And my bones burn like a furnace. 
My heart is stricken and withered like grass. I am too wasted to eat my bread. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my skin. I am like an owl of the wilderness, like a little owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I am like a lonely bird on the housetop. All day long my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse. For I eat ashes like bread and mingle tears with my drink. Because of your indignation and anger. For you have lifted me up and thrown me aside. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The famous English poet and Anglican priest, John Donne, himself struggled uh, with a, a lot of illness. There was a particular dark season in his life where he also battled depression. And he said something very profound and timeless, uh, and I'm paraphrasing him. He said, of all the mysteries that people experience, the mystery of sickness is the greatest of all. Because he said, in poverty, I miss my things. In loneliness, I miss other people. But he said, in sickness... I miss myself. He was saying that illness changes us. Loss and, and, uh, and grief and, and illness change us. And it's true as you read the psalm honestly from Psalm 102, you see that illness and grief and loss impact our relationship with ourselves. They impact our relationship with others and they impact our relationship with God. First of all, uh, illness and grief and loss impact our relationship with ourselves. The psalmist says in verse 3 that his life is going up in smoke, just disappearing before his eyes. In verse 5, he talks about how he's become skin and bone. And then in verse uh, 7, he talks about the, the, the fact that he lies awake and can't sleep. Can anybody here relate to a time of illness, a time of struggle and vulnerability when you feel like your life is literally going up in smoke and just disappearing before your eyes, when you feel like your, your, your body is changing in front of you and you have no choice over it, skin and bone, he said, where you have insomnia because of what's going on in your body and because of all of the fears of what might be out there. We can relate to this psalm, can't we? It impacted his relationship with himself. Secondly, it impacted his relationship with other people. There's a verse that you might not at first pay attention to. It's verse 6. I am like an owl of the wilderness or like a little owl of the waste places. Some translations say I'm like a vulture in the wilderness. Uh, but here's the point. In Leviticus 11, those two birds are called an abomination. In fact, in Leviticus 11, those two birds are called abominable and detestable. They were ceremonially unclean. They were not to be eaten. We forget that in the Old Testament Jewish culture, sickness brought with it social isolation. People didn't understand bacteria and germs 
and infection and disease. And so the only way they knew to deal with illness is to isolate those who are ill so that besides what the person was going through physically, the person was going through ostracization. They, they were cut off from others. And he said, I feel like these unclean, abominable animals, uh, fowls that are mentioned in Leviticus, I'm cut off. Have you ever felt that way, that your illness or your tragedy has somehow distanced you from other people? Or maybe you even feel like the psalmist. He says people are actually gloating. And they're giving me lectures on what caused this. And, the, and they're pontificating with all of their advice. You ever feel that way? You ever, you ever get irritated when people give you free advice when you're ill? And by the way, free advice is usually worth what you pay for it, right? And, uh, and, and some of the dumb, dumb things that are said to people who are struggling with health. Just, just sad. Some of you have, over the years, used William Barclay's Bible commentaries. He was a famous Scottish, British... Uh, Bible scholar. Uh, a lot of people don't know that he and his wife uh, had a daughter who died in an accident, a, a grown daughter. She, she and her fiancé both died in a tragic accident. And As William Barclay was dealing with that grief, he received an anonymous letter from a detractor who thought that his theology was too liberal. And the anonymous letter said, God took your daughter away from you so she would not be poisoned by your theology. And William Barclay was talking to a friend and said, it was an anonymous letter, but if I could have written the person back, I would have said, Dear sir, your God is my devil. So, Hopefully you've never had an experience quite that extreme, but we do experience those changes in relationships when we struggle with illness and the isolation it brings. The psalmist also makes clear that illness and grief and loss change our relationship with God or impact our relationship with God, potentially. You know, the psalmist It's not true that God leaves us alone in our illness, but the psalmist reminds us that it feels that way because in the the 10th verse he says, you know, your indignation and anger are, are upon me. And he said, it feels like you've just picked me up and thrown me down on the curb. And that's the way it feels. It feels like we're experiencing the back of God's hand rather than the the tenderness of his palms. But we need to be careful that feelings are not always accurate. And we need to remember some things we've been saying in this sermon series on the absence of God that that just because it feels like God is absent, it doesn't mean that he is. T.B. Maston was a uh, great ethics professor at one of our Baptist seminaries years ago. And he and his wife uh, had a child, Tom Mack, who was born with cerebral palsy, and it was so severe that Tom Mack never spoke, he never walked, he could never dress himself, he could never feed himself. He lived into adulthood, and every day his parents took care of him. 
Dr. Maston, who was a, an ethics professor, would tell his classes, sometimes situations in life actually strengthen us. God doesn't cause the cerebral palsy. But sometimes situations in life strengthen us. Sometimes they make us more merciful and tender. And sometimes situations in life can equip us more effectively for ministry to others. And then Dr. Maston told his students, don't blame God for everything that happens in life. It's not that simple. Now, if he could say that, maybe we could too. You see, a verse that has come to be mysteriously important to me is 1 Peter 2.24, where the Apostle Peter is talking about Christ's suffering and death on the cross. And there's a little phrase in there that says, by his stripes we are healed. By his wounds we are healed. And I think that promise is true at several levels. I take it to mean, first of all, that Christ has taken my place and received the wounds that were really meant for me, has paid the price for my sins, has opened the way for forgiveness and liberation from a godless, empty life. And those those wounds of His heal me for a relationship with God. But I also take that verse to mean that As we walk this way on earth, when physical healing cannot come in our physical bodies, by Christ's wounds we are healed emotionally and spiritually and mentally. We're healed of the temptation to grow bitter. By Christ's wounds we are healed uh, from self-hatred as if we've done this to ourselves and we deserve it. We're healed of hopelessness and despair. We're healed emotionally and spiritually and mentally to somehow bear the suffering. And then I think there's even a deeper and ultimate, a more ultimate meaning to that promise in 1 Peter 2.24, and that is that by his wounds we are healed because of Jesus Christ. In the resurrection life, we will all be, multi, we will all be ultimately healed and completely healed as we receive new bodies. Now, here's the trick. You and I need to claim the first two meanings of those. By his wounds we are healed so that by faith we come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we need to, in times of suffering, claim that inner healing and grace to bear it. And then we need to wait patiently for that third application that ultimate transformation. And here's the other thing we need to remember. That in the face of suffering and illness, there are some things in life that are simply above our pay grade. They're just above our pay grade. We can't understand them. We can't fathom them. There are no easy answers. And that's why I love this quote by Nadia Bowles Weber. And you've seen it before, by the way, and you'll probably see it again. 
we go to God for answers, but sometimes what we get is not answers, but God's presence. And we have to somehow trust that His presence is enough because by His stripes we are healed. It's His presence that heals us. And that means that we need to learn to pray as honestly as the psalmist does. See, I'm convinced that if we would learn to pray the tough psalms, if we would learn to pray the unpleasant psalms, then when we do pray the joyous, victorious psalms, it would mean more to us. It would be more of a blessing to us if we'd pray the tough psalms. Some of you have heard the story of the famous hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Horatio Spafford wrote the words. Horatio Spafford was a successful businessman who lived in Chicago. He was going to go to Europe on business. He had to stay behind. He sent his wife and children on ahead on an ocean liner. There was a tragic collision of two ships at sea. The ship sunk. And four of Horatio Spafford's children perished in the waters. His wife survived. He booked passage as quickly as possible to go to Europe and join his wife. And it is reported that on his way across the ocean, he penned those words to that famous hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Now, most of you have heard that part of the story. When I was in Jerusalem last month, I actually became aware of some more of that story. After this tragic, tumultuous experience in in Horatio Spafford's life, he and his wife sort of walked away from the harsh uh, unhealthy doctrines that they'd been raised on. Doctrines that implied that God caused this tragedy to happen to his children. And he moved into a more gracious, loving picture of God. And in fact, he and his wife moved to Jerusalem and they started a mission to do good and to help those who were suffering. And they called their mission house American Colony. They passed away. The, the religious movement in the American colony eventually faded out and the building is now a hotel in Jerusalem, the American Colony Hotel. And in that hotel, the story of Spafford's tragic loss and him is recorded. And this manuscript is found uh, there on display, and I know you can't read the words. I can't either. But this is a manuscript copy on the stationery of a Chicago hotel, the writing of Spafford, as he penned those famous words, when peace like a river. Do Do you get it? We sing it so much we don't think about it. In good times and bad, when peace like a river attendeth my way, In bad times, when sorrow like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul.
And then a verse that we don't know as well, that, that may be even more important for our topic, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my lowly estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It's well with my soul. By his wounds we are healed and it starts in here. Let's pray together. God, open our hearts to the richness of your mercy. Use this time of pondering and listening that you might draw your people to yourself. Through Christ we pray. Amen.